Next in the tank is an innovation in healthy vending. I'm Peter Shapiro. And I'm Stuart Shapiro. And we're based in Havertown, Pennsylvania. And if you can't tell already, we're brothers. Seeking $250,000 for a 6% equity stake in our company, Bloody Blends. The future of food is unattended retail. Introducing Blenny Blends, a fun and interactive smoothie kiosk that makes real fruit smoothies with no artificial flavors, no preservatives, and no added sugar. And what about lactose and gluten? No way. Welcome, Supers, back to another Shark Tank Tank Tales. We're back here in the conference room, this time with two super entrepreneurs. I need you to stop whatever you're doing right now and give super claps to Super Peter and Super Stewart. Thank you and thank you for providing not only uh, a very delicious drink. I, I you know, I, I'm not always the biggest fan of things that are like it's, it's the stevia or anything like that, and you guys don't have any of that. Exactly. And, um, at first, there was a flavor, and I'm like, what is that? And it took me a few seconds, mm. and then I'm like, oh, that's banana. Yep. That's that's like um, like a almost like the like that that spot between browning banana and not browning. Like you know what I mean? Like fresh and and the, the come on, Joe, the perfect time. It's like right. It is. But I don't even taste that taste anymore. Yeah. All I taste yeah. is a great drink. Like, thank it's just, you. It's just a, I mean, I've been drinking it this whole time. So thank, thank you, you yes. so much, yeah. Marina. And thank you for bringing lunch as well, because it is a twelve twenty-two at this Ooh. time. So we got uh, some pat steaks here. Uh, I, I, don't, I have never actually had pat steaks. Oh, oh, you. oh and Gina's no, guys. Wow. Oh, no, no, no. We no, could no. have done that, but pats is my go-to. We're all about that. Well, so I don't know which one is mine. The mushrooms. Um, yeah, you the mushrooms. The mushrooms. So, they didn't write on it, right? No. There you go. Of course perfect. not. Why would they write on it? Yeah, exactly. Steaks, I'm like, no, we're not. It was we're the perfect assembly line. They were ready to go. So, um, so what, what was your relationship with Shark Tank prior to ever even thinking you'd get to go on Shark Tank? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's a funny story. Um, you know, so, we were involved, going back to that, we were involved with another kiosk before we did Blenny Blends. And okay. it was a very fun kiosk, and we'd be constantly there. People would always say, you guys are great. You know what you got to do? you got to go on Shark Tank. And, you know, that wasn't our company. We were just franchisees, and we couldn't go and represent them. So it was always an easy answer, like, no, we're not going to do that. But then, when we moved away from that business and, and came up with Bunny Blends, as we went out into the market, we did our same shtick, and we were constantly together. We've got the brother thing going, and we talk about the machine, and we talk about our blends. Everyone, same thing. They're like, you know what you got to do? And I was always waiting for someone to be like, a, a, you know, you should introduce a, a peach flavor or some crazy thing. Like, no, you guys are perfect for Shark Tank. And the story is, is just heard it one too many times, and it was last February, February twenty twenty two. And I'm like, Peter, you know what? I just did it. I went, I went on the ABC site. I submitted our stuff. It was very anticlimactic. No one sought us out. You know, you basically put in your name and your business, and that's it. Didn't think anything of it. Uh, months went by, and randomly, like the end of April or beginning of May of last year, I just got an email that said, we, we reviewed your submission, and we'd love to have a chat. And so, you know, this was never the goal. Um, we never created Blenny or any of our businesses to actually go on Shark Tank. If anything, we you know, were very hesitant because you go there, you air your dirty laundry, 
you, you're not in control of the editing. There's so many things that could happen. You know, what if we go on and the machine breaks and we look like complete fools? And, like, this ruins us. Like, it's all of the, the fear takes over. Um, but, you know, we actually got the opportunity. And one thing led to another. And here we are talking to you. Mm. <laughs> so it was not the ultimate goal, but it definitely diverted us from our original uh, plan. And, um, you know, it's a... Once in a lifetime opportunity that most people don't get—the dream of many entrepreneurs—and having been a part of it, you know, it was uh, it was amazing. Yeah. Well, what was the kiosk that you guys ran before that? So it was called Reese and Irvies. It was a frozen yogurt kiosk. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot more robotics involved. Um, you know, we signed on and we were the franchisees for the Philadelphia area. So we started putting machines into some adult hospitals, uh, children's hospitals. We tried some malls, which didn't work out. We ended up moving machines around. We tried some corporate centers. Uh, we put one into the QVC headquarters, which led oh, one thing cool. led to another. You know, it was actually never got on Shark Tank, but Lori put the whole thing together, and it actually was very validating because she's like, "Oh my God, that's yours!" And she had actually filmed a whole Instagram video about it. So really? it really clicked in her head, and I think that really helped um, show the industry and say, "You know, we're here, we're there, all these things." So. Um, yeah, we, 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 were, we were the local people and we had up to 10 machines and um, that company ended up going bankrupt. Um, so you can't even get those machines anymore. So we still kind of run some relics of the past and uh, keep them up and running. We love working at the Children's Hospitals and we keep a lot of them for relationships um, and, and kind of still having our end in a lot of places. Oh, uh, it's awesome. I have a cousin that works at the uh, Chop. Yeah. Uh, in the, love the Chop. NICU. Yeah. All right, get him down for a, for a Blenny or a yogurt. We still yeah. have a machine there, so yeah. we have both well, machines actually, on both I think sides. I had two or three, actually, two, at least two of them, I think, working in the <laughs> Get them all down. Yeah. <laughs> well, without that experience, you know, it would have been, you know, we would never be where we are today. I mean, if, even though that, you know, the franchisor of that, you know, went out of business, without all the connections we met, without really finding out all the things that could go wrong with these types of machines, I mean, frozen yogurt is so, unless, you know, unless you've done it, you don't know how it's hard a, it is. It's a science. science. <laughs> it is a science, and those machines take so much work, and a lot of things break on there. So when you have to fix parts, what we learned is, you know, you see these frozen yogurt machines, the part you know goes out, and you're out seven eight hundred dollars. You're out twenty thousand dollars on some of the parts mm, for these the robots. Robot the the robot arms that will break all the time are so expensive. So we wanted to you know create a machine that you know has not only the delicious drinks, but a machine that can actually function, make money, and not have these expensive components to it. And even keep going from that, we learned um, everything that we didn't like with that machine is what we built into blending. And with that machine, you had to go into a location and ask for a power upgrade for a 220 um, line to be put in. Mm. That was always a big um, hurdle to that, go in. That is a big hurdle. And especially older buildings in Philadelphia. Some places would be like, we don't have the power. And I'm like, really? So we always wanted to be able now have a machine you can plug in anywhere. Um, you know, we got rid of, we were using like a Denon product. Well, it came frozen, then you have to thaw it, and it has to stay refrigerated. That's when we came up with the whole shelf stable. We knew we could package our fruit products in a shelf stable, you know, making it aseptically. We knew the, the goal was possible, but figuring it out, we spent a lot of time doing. So all of the, the hurdles that we saw with the frozen yogurt kiosk, and also on the corporate end too, they were raising money, 
um, and doing crowdfunding and, and pre-selling uh, franchises and you know, not delivering for a long time. All of these things, that's why we self-funded ourselves. Mm-hmm. We believed in ourselves that much. Um, so it was all around, the whole experience we learned from. You know, it's so cliche, and I hate saying cliches, but you know, the, the, the failure that that was, mm-hmm. you know, the, what we learned and gained and also the, the network of operators that we using those operators around the country is what launched us with Blunny. We were we had friends in other states and other um, cities, and we were like, "All right, don't even purchase a machine. We'll give it to you to try it out. We'll learn this together over the next year or two and build this into a big thing." That's exactly what we did. So we had people we could call on and, and still do. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. There's no failure, just lessons, right? Exactly. And some lessons were more expensive than all. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You know, and it goes along with the whole like I, you know the three resources we have: time, money, and energy, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. with mm-hmm. those three things, like you can spend time to, or spend money, or you spend time, or mm-hmm. you spend energy. Well, usually time and energy combined yeah. um, to to make something happen. And the, you know, to shortcut something like this, I think is is really great. So, um, and we're gonna get into the the tank a little bit later. Now, mm-hmm. now you did you, know, you did talk about. Uh, you know the fact that you've invested 1.2 million dollars uh, to date, um, and I mean that's uh, to to be able to go on national TV and admit that to anybody, um, you know, and then be like, "But we got this!" And it's like, you know, that's a tough um, mental gymnastics to have to work through. I would, uh, in my mind, um, for anybody to have to think like, <laughs> what, "What's what's everyone going to think of, about that?" You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we we saw it's just. <laughs> you know, at the beginning, I would say, oh my God, Stu, we're going to be telling the world exactly all these details, but we saw it just as we're telling the world that we're all in this, and Stu and I were very open, um, you know, we, we tell everybody, um, you know, all, all this about all the lessons we've learned, but it also goes with all the successes we've had, we've been able to, you know, be in the real estate business, make good money with that, and roll those profits into this new business. So we believe in ourselves, and we, you know, we've done very well in a lot of businesses, and we've been able to take those profits every time and move them to something bigger and better. And we were just showing the world that yes, we've made this in, in these other businesses, but now we're going to put it all into this and really um, do something that's really changed the world. There's, you know, entrepreneurship is about sacrifice. I'm not saying that you have to devote your entire life and. You know, kind of Mr. Wonderful talks about it all the time. If you watch him and whatnot, and and we're not going to tell anyone to do what we've done. You know, I basically sold my condo, put everything into this. I live in Peter's attic. Like, we we have gone all in. We've sacrificed everything. But, like Peter said, we believe in ourselves. And people don't know, like, wow, you, like... You know, if someone's a doctor or a lawyer, not really an entrepreneur heart, like, wow, you guys got a lot of balls. We never saw it that way. Like, how could we lose? Like, it's it's one of those things that we knew if we did it ourselves, build it the right way, slow and steady, like, we'll get there. And, uh, you know, we never even saw it as as much of what it is, you know? It was just kind of, this is what we're doing. One thing's led to another. Yeah, I mean, you guys also, um, you know, run into... I guess my my thought process is is it, you weren't you weren't even scared even though you've already been there and you you know the hardships and things like that. Um, now with that said, again, it is lessons, but it's also like you know apparently it's it, you're doubling or tripling or quadrupling down on 
um, on that. But I, I, I guess in a way, it makes a lot of sense because you're you're still kind of in the same lane, exactly. even though it's not frozen yogurt. It's it's a smoothie. It's the industry. We loved the industry, and this is is very early on. You know, there's old school vending machines that everyone's used to, but automation is taking over. Robotics, whether it's you know, forward in your face or not, is is happening behind the scenes. Like all of these things are happening, and we saw it in this in this unattended retail industry. So you know, we doubled down, maybe not necessarily on the kiosk itself, but on the industry. And this is where we foresee a lot of food service and access to healthy, fresh, you know, delicious things. Like it's not what it used to be. Um, you know, the, we can offer all these great things in an affordable way um, and access 24-7 all the things that we tout mm -hmm. is what we believe in. And, you know, the, the industry still has a ways to go. We're very, very early on, maybe even still too early is the idea. And, like, that's what we kind of think is, you know, maybe we're even... You know, people are still a little hesitant to try it and, and whatnot, and they don't understand all of the safeguards we put in and the, the, the products we've made, all of the benefits of it. You know, you don't necessarily have to go to a brick-and-mortar smoothie store anymore because we're giving it to you in your face. Mm -hmm. So we, we believe in the industry. Yeah. I mean, definitely, I think that what's helped us in this is covid and the labor shortage. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we like Stu said, I think we jumped into this industry as pioneers, hopefully, very, very, very early. And, you know, the greatest thing I think that could have happened with us is that, you know, we, people are seeing all the benefits now for these horrible things that have happened the last few years. And unfortunately, you know, people needed a way to get safe food. We were in hospitals. We never shut down one day during COVID. You know, the two of us put on our masks in Philadelphia, had all our staff throughout the country serving in hospitals and getting really into healthcare because they wanted something that, you know, was is never touched by human hands, is very safe. Yeah. And then, you know, on top of that, when we come out of COVID, we have a labor shortage, which still to this day, you know, there's so many, you know, places that would love to have a, a smoothie bar and they just don't have the people for it. So that's when they come to us. And then once they see how great this is, and they're like, wow, you know, this is, this is amazing. And it's, and a lot of people think, you know, oh, you know, there's, there's no human interaction. There is human interaction with the machine. Getting rid of jobs. Uh, all you that know, stuff. We're not getting rid of jobs. There, you need to have hands on to these machines. What it does allow a lot of our locations to do is take their current staff and, you know, have them work the machines and have the, a change of duties, really, where, you know, it's, it's beneficial on all parties. You know, uh, it reminds me, we were at um, a trampoline park here, and my daughter and son were like, oh, well, I, they, there's cotton candy over there. There's a cotton candy machine that, like, yep. the, you know, the stick comes out. Yeah, and, they're cool. Says, and I was like, ah, yeah, no, nah, whatever. So then <laughs> we're back there for, like, her birthday, and, and I'm like, all right, we'll go look at it. And because I was like, yeah, it probably isn't that good or whatever. I was, I was blown away. It's cool, like, yeah. $7, like, yeah. it made a shape of, the, of a heart, yep. and it made a rainbow one that was like, I mean, it was yep. art. Yep. Yep. Like, exactly. no, they're seven, cool. They're for seven cool. bucks, I'm like, wow, like, this Amazing. is incredible. Uh -huh. So, uh, you know, I, I think that there there's a lot to be said for, I mean, obviously we're talking, talking about cotton candy, but there's a lot to be said for um, enabling healthier options than the bag of chips or the, yeah. even the health bars or whatever that are in 
the classic vending machines. And that's, I think there's there's so many machines now that are coming to market, and we you know we really need to figure out what consumers want because a lot of people are coming to market with these really elaborate, very cool machines. They have you know glass like the cotton candy, and you know it's a show, and it truly is amazing show. But at the end of the day, if consumers don't want the product in there, you can have the fanciest show, have the fanciest pieces, have the coolest machine, but it's not going to you know, make money for you, and the financials just don't work the out. The economics have to make sense the as well. The economics have to work out, these type of things, and, and that's why we tried to find a machine where the economics actually work, and you know, consumers are getting the products that they want. So speaking of that, you guys went up to Canada to, to see the machine, not yes. to have, where they build the machine, right? Correct. Correct. So we were invited, we had a friend up, and he was actually the franchisor of the frozen yogurt machines in Canada, and we had done training, we had a, a relationship with him, and he says, you know, I'm always looking for the next thing, I got it guys, you got it, I, I found the smoothie machine. So within, I think it was like 48, 72 hours, we, uh, we flew up and we drove to Edmonton. It was up in Edmonton, um, Canada, and we saw this machine. And, you know, the, the product in it was terrible. Horrible. We I, couldn't even, I couldn't even <laughs> I really, I couldn't. The machine was dirty. The, the place was, there was no one there. It was sad. But, you know, we saw the vision. You know, you have that, that feeling. We, we, we loved it. And we saw where it could go, and knowing you know the nuts and bolts, and that was the whole the whole kind of start to that whole thing. Mm. So we just saw the, the this one-off prototype machine, um, and then we ended up negotiating. So the there's the actual inventor and person that has the the patent lives in Australia. Oh, so we, okay. so he's our manufacturer. We come, we correspond with him. He is actually the one that you know, kind of controls everything and builds the machines and then it's a white label. So our goal and our job was to brand it and whatever you've got to figure out what goes in it. And that, that was, you know, part of the toughest goal for us was, you know, we've got this great machine now, but we have to figure out all the product. So is your, is your uh, potential to go and franchise it to other people? So like is that part of the picture with the guy from Australia making it? Well, the guy in Australia making it, he's only concerned about selling the machine. So his sole goal, which we really liked because he's just very laser focused on the machine itself, mm -hmm. you know, how it works, and then taking our input and getting that machine to be the best machine out there. He then leaves the we're not part of his company, he's not a part of ours, and you know, and we're always open to it, but everyone has their roles. Right. So he's laser focused on the machine, and then we take delivery of that machine, and then we do everything to it. So we you know wrap it, you know, we tell him exactly what to wrap, they come over, they're in the blenny branding, um, and then we put in the our fruits, we you know put um, you know anything special that we want on our screens, we do the whole package. Um, and then we sell some machines, so people can come to us, you know, like we discussed on Chalk Tech, and they can buy the machines from us, buy the fruit, and then they sell it. Um, or we have company-owned machines that are out there uh, that we have people servicing for us, or location servicing, um, and then we keep all the profit. So, so, <laughs> 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 Well, so, all right, so going 
back to to Shark Tank. Um, how did you guys go about preparing your pitch, like and, and balancing that with? Because um, do you guys have other jobs still at this point, or is it just this? So I have this I is have, a full time. This is a full time job. Okay. Is it only this? And 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 I ask that not because you know not because it's not necessarily big enough, but because. You know, you guys still gotta live too, right? Exactly. So yeah. I, I still have another company um, that is still pro- producing revenue, which I can live off of, and Stu, like you said, lives lives in our house. Lives on top uh, of. He yeah. just lives right there, which has <laughs> been great. I mean, living off the land. <laughs> one of the stories on Shark Tank that didn't get in there, but you know, the reason that we got in this industry was, um, you know, I was looking for something to do. My younger son has a severe form of epilepsy mm. and he um, will never be able to be by himself you know, in life. And so I was always thinking, what would be really cool for us to do and have you know, Sawyer with us? And uh, he always said, I like robots and stuff. And mm. that's when we kind of came across this robotic frozen yogurt thing. Mm. So, um, so with that, you know, having Stu move into our house really not only helps with the business side, but it is great to have an extra set of hands and you know, he's <laughs> my kids, you know, look at him as, you know, uncle, big brother, everything possible. We're trying to get out, Joe. <laughs> uh, it's not ideal. It's about sacrifice and we've made it this far. We gotta see this to the end. But <laughs> the goal so the goal is for Stu to, to uh, my uh, I don't want <laughs> this is depressing. But uh, but luckily we we are you know I do have this other company that is producing revenue that we can all live off of. Uh, I mean it's you know slowly dwindling off now over time, but at least it, you know we're able to live while we grow out this company. You know we want to put everything into this, um, so we don't want to take you know a dime out of this. You know we want to. We don't see building a company you know by taking salaries and, and right. you, know, you know if you see a company as a baby you have to put everything into it it's going to take a long time until that baby grows up where they actually start giving back and it's always kind of been one thing after another that we're like well instead of taking a salary we've got to buy more machines or we've got to do you know instead of buying x amount of fruit we've got to buy this amount of fruit so it's always been us putting in money to get to that next level, kind of, and we never have wanted to take on, you know, an outside investor, you know, we're looking at that now to really grow, um, but early on, you know, we never wanted to do that until we, we felt we were ready, so it was always, you know, like a day turns into a week, turns into a month, turns into a year, and you just kind of roll with the punches. And but we never why. saw this as, you know, buy a few machines like a hobby. You know, from day one, we were had machines all across the country. And we see this all across, the, you know, North America. With Shark Tank, we've had people come to us from around the world. Um, you know, the Middle East has been a popular place. We have multiple people wanting Blind Aid to bring over there. Um, you know, there's just so many places that we weren't expecting. So we got that worldwide notoriety. Um, and we think big, you know. We're not one to take little risks. We're big risks. Uh-huh. So you guys have rights to do that? Because the way that it sounded like on the show, you only had America or maybe North America. Yeah, so, so that was the hard part about the show. We, we There was a lot of stuff in there that we kind of got edited out. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the big things I think that uh, we would have liked to get across is one, a little bit more 
for because people didn't get an understanding, I feel like, of what our exclusive rights even means. And so we can put machines all over the U.S. and nobody can come in, but we can also place machines all over the world in addition to that. Um, the other piece on Shark Tank that um, I, I apologize for jumping ahead of your questions. Well, but, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we, we, we wanted to keep people out. That was the idea. You know, if we're building a brand, mm-hmm. we wanted to make sure that we had the exclusive rights and it's not going to hurt our brand by having other machines and other stuff. That's not how we see this working out. You have right, to build right. a brand, and, and that's. What we did, so the idea and we know we realize, you know, there there's going to be competition, and you know, there's other types of machines on the market that do, you know, similar types of things. But all of our benefits, we feel, outweigh all those other machines, and more than keeping people out, we just throughout our businesses, you know, there has been so many things that. Uh, I think have led to confusion in the market. So let's say you know there's somebody using the same type of machine in the U.S., but it's not our brand. People are, sometimes get confused. You know what? You know what is this? You know is it something different? It looks the same, but maybe it is, maybe it isn't. So we wanted to, to be you know very very clear that if you see a machine like this, it'll have our branding on it. You know what you're going to get out of that machine, yeah. um, and it's you know we stand behind it. No, that that definitely makes uh, makes a lot of sense, and and I think that that's so. Um, I guess before I go back to my question of uh, how do you balance the the pitch and and working oh, uh, working on blending, <laughs> yeah. working on your other video, yeah, yeah, yeah. or working through your other get off topic yeah, yeah. and all that. It's all right. It's all right. Um, what did uh, uh, how did you go about crafting the Blenny brand? <laughs> so that's a, so that was that was the big challenge at the beginning because we had the technology we, we got the rights as technology and then we were like okay now now we got to actually create everything that goes into it and we didn't want to you know slop it together and just throw things in there um, so we hired a local company in Philadelphia um, their name is Elysium Marketing um, they're right to outside the city we interviewed a lot of different firms and we liked um, at the time it was all women um, that were assigned to our account they really understood you know what we were looking for in our target market um, and we immediately gave them the, the job create a logo that is killer um, and really create a brand and the, the image of the brand um, and give us some great feedback on that. And so they came up with a whole wide range of, of things. And I can tell you for one thing, we wore, we've worn a lot of t-shirts with a lot of logos for different businesses we've run. We get stopped every single time. Every day we wear these shirts. It is just, you know, we, we love this logo, but all the time we, we get stopped. And on the back, you know, the all's well, the blends well, they created that too. And uh, we came together as a great team. We still use them for everything. Uh, at the same time, the hardest thing, everybody thinks about the machine, the machine, the machine, but the hardest thing is the actual fruit. And so, you know, Stu was talking about early on, you know, the fruit itself. And, you know, we had to find a partner who could do what we wanted to do. There's very few people in the U.S. that actually will create an aseptically packaged fruit. And for the viewers that don't know about that, you know, basically what it is, is we take the juices, the fruits, um, and put everything, put it into a big vat, and then they mix it up, and then they take it to a high temperature, and then they put it in these bags where no air can get in, 
Um, there's silver bags, so no sunlight can get in. Everything is, once it's in that bag, it is safe and shelf stable. Um, so that way, we can transport this very easily. We can get it all over the world if necessary. Um, and we can do this with no preservative. So there is you know, other ways to fill bags. Other companies do it. Um, but they have to keep them frozen. So once you send it out, you know you have to have it on a freezer truck. You get to a location. The refrigerator turns off, freezer breaks out, you throw out all your products. You know, ours is very safe. And we wanted a product that's safe that, you know, even if something happens to our product, it's not going to hurt anybody. You know, you might see a coloring change if some, uh, if some oxygen fruit. gets in fruit there. Spoiled. Like so fruit. Like fruit. Oh, absolutely. But, uh, but it's a very, very safe product. We wanted something where, you know, no matter what happens throughout the whole supply line, you know customers can feel safe. Um, and this was very, you know, important to us. And, but, you know, most of the time we were getting into this and it was, we, like we said, we were self-funding. I was making calls to different places and they were like, oh, you know, I'd be happy to help you. But, you know, we need to do at least a billion dollar run just for this fruit. And we're like, this is, you know. Can we just get like five bags to taste? <laughs> and, uh, without committing a lot of money and, uh, and to these companies, you know, we were closed out by a lot of these companies to do this. And there's only a handful in the U.S. Long story short, though, we found a great company up in Chicago. Um, they believed in us. We believed in them. Um, they helped us formulate the fruit. Um, you know, uh, they said, "What do you want it to be?" And I wrote down, you know, one part banana, two parts strawberry. They were gonna. This isn't commercialization <laughs> recipe. We need to commercialize a product for you. Um, so they helped us do that. They would send us taste. We actually did taste testing. That's that was the whole process. Like, it and, was, and we really jumped. That's, up a, that's a very time-consuming process. Oh yeah, you know, because so especially in Chicago, time. like you're waiting. Yeah. Okay, and then make a change. And exactly. Then it takes two, three days plus shipping. Sure. You know, it's for them very, to get yeah. to it. And Longer than that, even. Yeah. Yeah. Really, yeah. Everything. Yeah. Everything is months, not days. Months. Everything is months. Things take all on taste testing. Was months. All on the whole process. Everything takes a long time. Okay. At the same time, we were building the machines, and COVID was rampant. So you know, everything we were. It's going to take four months. It took eight months. So everything was happening in in tandem. Um, so it kind of worked out well. We had this, you know, end time frame that we thought. So we've got to get this to that point. But we had some time to work with. You know, things in 2020, 2021 were taking longer than expected. So well, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything, everything took longer than expected. Yes. Um, the so staying staying motivated through that because, uh, like, uh, you and know, was, and, I, and I was saying, like, I'm saying it from a, a point of like. The company's actively trying to get you on, but you know, I, I know, I, and I always tell my friends this: they're like, "Oh, you know, I applied for this job or that thing or blah blah blah." And I'm like, "Dude, companies aren't just sitting around waiting for you to call, like, you yeah, know, like, oh, you got a resume, like, oh, yeah. let's go run." Like, they probably got hundreds of resumes, and yeah, the least, the last thing that the person that's supposed to do it really wants to do is even call you. Sure, you know, yeah. it's not at the top of their mind in a lot, a lot of cases. Um, These things aren't easy, job. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> We remind ourselves about that all the time. Is these things are not easy. You got to push, and you know you got to see the end line and figure out a way to get there. And you know, for us, it was you know 
COVID happens, well, let's sidetrack. And instead of going after universities, airports, places that we thought we were going to launch in, we put all our resources into healthcare. And we, you know, we, and that's why if you look at our map of locations, there's so many hospitals because during COVID, where else were the people? Well, you know, so we, you know, yeah, we put everything and we, <laughs> and, we made it, and we made it happen. And that's yeah. what we We, we, we saw it as a strength so, and an opportunity. All right, so let's get back to preparing for the match <laughs> yeah, and how you guys go down that. Oh uh, yes. you know, prepare preparing yourself. To yeah, prepare. I mean, finally, when you get through the process and you're given like a production team, uh, so that's kind of what happens. You're assigned two producers, and there you're. Luckily, we had a man on a few months. They were our mom and our dad through the whole process, um, constantly emailing and whatnot, and, and it really became a full time job. Uh, so early on, you know, and also the the. The one thing that's always in the back of everyone's mind is everything can change. You can be dropped at any point. So you can put in all this time and even get to the final time. You can even get there and pitch and you never actually make it on TV. So everything can change and that's always in the back of your mind. But, um, you know, they definitely worked with us and we put together a first, a first draft of the, the pitch and uh, it was all our ideas and you put it down on paper and then you know they're professionals they're this is what they do for TV so it's you know instead of having these long drawn-out paragraphs let's more back and forth so we would work with them over and it took a while and we would do videos of ourselves doing it and it just constantly took on its its form over Two, three months, whatever it was, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we had the I had it somewhere the original draft, and uh, it was fun. I mean, did, do you feel like it made it easier because you guys were effectively living in the same place to, to repair? Uh, yeah, definitely did. I mean, my kids would overhear it. My son, I would say, "Hi, I'm Peter Schmo," and he'd say, "Hi, I'm Stuart Schmo," and my son would be like, "Hi, I'm Sawyer Schabaka." <laughs> so you know, everybody heard it a million times by the end, and we would just. You know, rehearse it and stuff. And there were things we wanted to get into that pitch, which we just knew for time we just couldn't. Uh, but we wanted to, you know, get across, you know, more so not just about Blenny. If you notice our pitch, we talked about just unattended solutions and this unattended retail. And just we wanted to get across to the country, specifically the United States, that, you know, this technology is out there. You can see it a lot on the coast, but the whole middle of the country, there's really not a lot of this yet that's actually hit a lot of states. So we're trying, you know, our machine, you don't need a waistline, you don't need a water line, you don't need electrical hookups, so we can get to places easier. Um, but a lot of these, uh, you know, still need a lot of the support, uh, and so you don't see it a lot yet, and we're just, just at the beginning. So we wanted to try to just more so introduce this in our pitch and say, chips in a soda, candy in an energy drink, you know, that's not where the Shapiro Brothers, like, because, you know, a lot of people still believe that that's all you can get. And it was the beginning of our pitch was just to introduce this to the country, that this industry is here, and um, a little bit about it. And then then we wanted to jump into Blenny specifically and just tell people, you know, the no preservatives, you know, the vegan, the, all the benefits of it we wanted to try to jump into. Um, and when, uh, you know, going back, that made me think, um, what's the shelf life of the bag once you put it into the machine? So once you end up putting the machine, you'll pop the little nozzle, you put it in, and you have seven days life. Um, So basically the machine, our machine works, it's got a freezer on top of the ice, and the whole middle is a refrigerator. 
So when you, we put everything in, it's like putting you know juice in your refrigerator. It, it's yeah. it's safe, um, and that's what we've tried to educate people about is that you know. This is a very safe product. You put it in your refrigerator, it's safe. In addition to that, though, on our machine, if you ever look at our machine from the outside, there's temperature sensors that a health inspector could look at, and we have sensors on the machine in every spot. So if, let's say, the, the, the range of the, of the uh, machine goes out of range, it will automatically turn it off and notify the operator, you have to come and manually check this machine before it vends anything to anybody. Um, so if anything, I feel like customers should feel better with this. I mean, I always say, everybody says, you know, well, I, I, there's no human touching. I'm like, well, I see this as, yeah, there's a human that's required to turn it back on, but it automatically put out service. If it's just in a regular refrigerator and that refrigerator loses power, you know, it could be days before people figure it out and they're just using it and uh, there's much more of a risk than with our machine. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. Um, so how did you guys go about coming up with your evaluation of 250000 for 6%? Uh, because, I mean, you guys had already invested $1.2 you were valuing at like one point four six 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 repeating. Mm. Um, yeah, how did, how did you guys come up with that valuation to go into the tank with? <laughs> <laughs> Making a valuation for us was hard. Um, Clearly, because so you get with a six instead of a five or a ten. Or, yeah. Well, so because we controlled 100% of the company and, and kind of the producers and us, we really kind of knew that. So... You know, for us, there wasn't necessarily a number. So there actually had been a number since we had friends and family previously who were very interested in what we were doing. It was not even with the Shark Tank whole thing going on. And they had said, we'd love to invest in you. So we did put together a friends and family raise, and that was at a $10 million valuation. And that was, you know, we weren't out there searching. It was that our family and our friends saw what we were doing and were so impressed and excited. And we loved that they wanted to hop on board. So we did do a small raise um, and you know, any extra money we were, Peter and I were putting in. But we wanted people, if they wanted to invest us, you don't ever say no to money. So we did do that. And that, but that was at a $10 million valuation. Yeah. So that was kind of... The, what we thought we would be worth, you know, at that point, you know, having only 20, 40 machines, you know, you have this great contract, like, yeah, 10 million is, is about right. Um, and then, you know, we didn't, we, 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 were, we thought it was okay giving them a Shark Tank discount. And that's why we went on, you know, with a lower valuation than that for the original ask. Uh, you know, early on when we were putting together the contract, you know, we initially were like, what are we even going to ask for? And I think we had said like a million dollars for five percent or something. We're like twenty million, yeah. Like we did our friends and family for ten. We'll sell sell to them for twenty. That's that's our valuation. But obviously, obviously, you learn some things. So somebody somebody taught you out. <laughs> so that's you know for us it wasn't necessarily we didn't have VCs all about valuation, valuation, valuation. So for us it was more fluid than that. Um, so we were able to kind of work in with <laughs> in, in different parameters. Yeah, I mean, that, uh, so so I definitely get having um, having a discount. Now we'll get into how how the deal ended up landing at the end uh, when we get actually get into that. Actually, I haven't even mm -hmm. gotten there yet. Mm -hmm. uh, but was there a shark or sharks that you had in mind going into the tank that you wanted to to try to strike a deal with? So Stu and I basically when we were. Right before Shark Tank, and we hadn't really discussed it at all because we were so involved with just thinking about every scenario that could happen 
but we went through every shark and we were like, we could really fit in with everybody. And I had this dream that we would get all the sharks in and they would all be cheering. It was like everyone's dream. Everybody's dream. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, they all are gonna love this because Mark Chubukin loves the technology. Mr. Wonderful loves the bank fruit and he'll want some royalty. And you know, it, it'll be just amazing. But at the end of the day, we, you know, we knew that Daniel was going to be there. And once we knew that, you know, knowing Daniel's history and the person that he is, we really did want Daniel. Uh, when Lori, you know, got involved, she was always somebody that we thought would be great in the marketing and the branding. Um, so we were very happy that the two of them immediately saw some interest. But we were open, really, to any shark. Because we, we see, you know, what we're doing as so mass market appeal. Um, and that's something we always said. We wanted something mass market. You know, everybody understands a frozen coffee or a frozen smoothie. You know, you're not just talking to somebody specifically, you know, and that's done one thing. You know, if anybody can, can understand what we're doing overall. So one la one question I had before we get into the the tank. Um, now you were talking with uh, Gina, one of our our people here, administrators here, um, and you know a question popped into my mind because you you were talking about like uh, like competition of of like oh we you know we were going to have this year and then they decided to put in like a whole juice bar themselves. Is that, is that, like, a, that's got to be a really big problem. Because you might be like, you know, as a, as a property owner, you're like, ah, I don't know if there's really that much of a thing for blend, you know, for, um, for smoothies or for, the, for, it doesn't matter what it is, right? So, okay, yeah, all right, we'll give it a try or whatever. And we do it. And then all of a sudden we see, like, that there's something there. It's like, oh, well, why, why not, why stop there? Why not have a coffee bar with, with smoothies or whatever? Like, is that... Is that one of the, these the things happen. finding with the right partners to place them? Yeah, I mean, these things happen, and things are in the works before we even come in that we don't know about. Yeah. So, you know, plans take months and years, especially in these hospitals. You know, what we really see is the opposite. We see a lot of the, you know, Starbucks outposts, you know, getting, getting turned off and, and uh, you know, leaving. We're about to do a pilot in a hotel where they had a Starbucks and they're like, we just can't staff it, it's not making money. If we put a Blenny, it'll be a thousand times better. So these things, you know, this is part of doing business and things happen for whatever reason, things change, you roll with the punches and uh, the nice thing with our machine is it's on wheels, it's a movable asset. So if something happens and your sales decrease or for whatever reason, you need to leave a location, you do that. And yeah. that's kind of the thing, but um, if anything, we see we see places closing, not opening necessarily. You know, our solution. They're like, well, this is so much easier. And, and we're and we're we've done this long enough that we've operated them. We understand the market. A lot of other types of technology like this, they just build the machine not thinking about exactly the scenarios you came up with. Mm -hmm. We've lived those scenarios, mm -hmm. so that's why it was key to us in having this machine that's easily moved, mm -hmm. and it's very versatile. You can move it quickly, and it doesn't require that much capital to move it. If we had a machine, some machines that we've, we've seen, 
They're amazing, too. Amazing. They're the size of this conference room table. And for the viewers that are, can't see the whole thing, it's a very long conference table here. <laughs> and this conference table here, it takes 20 people to set this thing up, days of setting up. You know, we know that's not realistic in the real world. You need to be able to get into a nimble place, get it there, and if you have to move it out, get it out quickly. Yeah. No, I, and, I, and I, I was going to say that. If you didn't say it, I was going to say that. Like, at least you can move it to another location. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, walking into the tank, how are you guys feeling walking down that hall? <laughs> I, I, I can't, I'm not supposed to say the words in my head right now. I mean, we were, we were, it was wild. So, the other thing, you know, that helped us specifically, I don't know if we're allowed to mention it, but we were, we basically pitched on Monday, and because of our kiosk, which we shipped a kiosk there, we shipped all of our supplies there, and we said, you know, it's not, it's movable, but at the same point, move it around and then the, everyone comes. What if something doesn't work? So they said, okay, we'll put you in on the morning. So we ended up doing our pitch on a Monday morning. We were granted special access on the Sunday before. Mm -hmm. So we actually set the machine up our whole, when we walked into the, um, into filming that day, you know, everything was already done. We had run tests. We felt good about it. So we spent that Sunday a lot of eyes on us. We were had people constantly telling us a lot of the art department, but we spent a few hours on the set, which I think helped our nerves. Um, we at least could feel it um, and see it, and uh, you know we didn't just walk in there that day and like, oh my god, lights and cameras. Um, so that helped, but yeah, I mean this this half an hour, this hour, this two hour can change your life, and there's that when you think about that too much, it's very daunting. And it makes a lot of stress, but you're going to take yourself out and just think about all of the, the facts that you need to remember, stick to it, you know, all the things we've been talking about for months. Um, we tried not to overthink this, at least. And I was happy. I usually, when I get nervous, I'm sweating and everything. And, and there, we, we stayed calm, and I didn't sweat at all. So it was great. <laughs> <laughs> Once we were going, you know, you can't really think about, we, you know, yeah. at least with us, we didn't think about our feelings and stuff. Yeah. It was we knew we had a job to do, and our goal was to come off. And we, we knew going into it, we weren't going to fight with the shark because that's not our personality. We wanted to be our normal personalities, and if people liked us, they liked us. If they don't, they don't. We say this all the time. You know, whenever we're going into any meeting, we're like, "Oh, what should we do to prepare?" And we're like. If they don't like us, you know, we are who we are. This is, this is... When you prepare too much yeah. for one thing to happen, it's never going to happen exactly. that way. It was <laughs> never going to happen that so, way. So, you know, so we figure, you know, let's be who we are, and they like it, they like it, they don't, they don't. But it was the most stressful, nerve-wracking experience ever. Afterwards, we were both so <laughs> tired that it was... We went back to the hotel, and we were both like, what just happened? You know? well, before we get to the hotel, yeah, let's talk about... Yeah. Uh, so, so... Mark expressed concern about obsolescence, and I thought that was kind of an interesting take on it because, yeah, while you're while the machines that you have today are the machines that you have today, that doesn't mean that it's today and forever and always, and this is the best way. It will never be perfected in any other way or added upon in any other way. It just it it seemed like an odd. Thing to me to point yeah. out. It definitely said it was odd. We were surprised. We were very surprised at that comment too, because that's like saying, you know, don't buy the iPhone today because it's going to be obsolete tomorrow. <laughs> like, you know, that's that's just absurd. This the big thing, biggest thing is that we know is it takes 
a long time to get these machines to market. And, you know, there's so many hurdles to get these things. And like you said, what you have tomorrow may not be the same. So if we can get this machine out and we can upgrade it and do things to it, we're always going to be on the cutting edge. But you need to actually just jump in and get wet first. I mean, yeah. we, we know that there's going to be other things that come up in the future. Yeah, sure, nothing stays forever. But the great thing is the way we design this is we can plug and play. And we can you know, make it very simple to just add things in and have operators themselves make additions to the machines to bring a them. A great product is a great product. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Oh, absolutely. And then... Um, is uh, going back to your valuation. It's not like you guys asked for a ridiculous amount of money, uh, two hundred fifty thousand. And, and that's right at the cusp of the odds are, are not in your favor to get a deal at that point. Three hundred thousand is usually where the, where that. Cut the off. biggest thing for also going back to that and our ask was, you know, we could have asked for fifty thousand or hundred thousand, but when we're buying like a group of machines, and that's basically what we saw this as, yep. you know, we've got to ask for two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand dollars. Two fifty yeah. right. So that's kind of how we saw this as like, you know, you're funding the next round and this is our jumping off spot. So that's how we came up with that number especially and that kind of sweet spot justification. Um, but yeah, so going just to that like two fifty kind of mark. Yeah, no, I I think so. I mean um, now, Damon's concerned, though, about not owning the product. I thought that was kind of interesting, too, because, well, because you guys have, what, the patent is 15 years left on the patent? Yeah. And the now, patent now is owned but, yeah. by, the, by the guy in Australia, right? Correct. Um, so, so I, I mean, I could see a little bit of that concern. But, again, it's not like you came in for your million dollars <laughs> or 5%. Like right. you were exactly. I mean, I, the, <laughs> I, I, I wish, you know, looking back that I would have um, – you know, been more engaging with Damon because I think he really did like our product. Seemed like it. And yeah. he really did. And I just really like him as a person. And I think he would have been a great partner. Agreed. And, um, you know, we, we both, you know, are a little upset that he didn't make an offer because I, I would have liked to have, you know, seen what his offer would be. Um, at the same time, you know, if, if that really was a concern of his, um, you know, maybe we didn't get the story across the right way, uh, maybe, you know, and, and that was something that Stu and I had always worried about with Shark Tank. We're not the product that you can say, I, I made it for this amount, I made it for 20 cents, I'm selling it for a dollar, let's, let's negotiate. You know, there's so much more to like the machines and the fruits and there's so many different costs and we wanted to make sure we made it as simplified as possible for the sharks and for the American public because we have such a complex business in comparison to other Shark Tank companies. So maybe we didn't get it across in day, maybe that's our fault, um, but you know that's not a concern for us at all. You know we have the the agreement, we have exclusive rights. It's kind of how it works with this machines is, in this type of industry too. To say that like everyone owns their patent and owns their equipment, like, that's just not how things work yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Like people do have license rights, and it doesn't mean that their business isn't going to be worth a ton of money one day. So and we, you know, we when you look, everybody says, us, "What's your cash burn and stuff?" And you know, we're, we're cash flow positive. Where you know, we have been since and people are like, "How is that possible?" And one of well, the ways it's possible is because a lot of these other companies put you know five ten million dollars into just the development of the technology, and we didn't have to do that. You know, one of the downsides is we we don't own that patent currently, but the good side is we're not strapped with uh, you know this huge. 
R&D. number for R&D on our books. You know, we don't have that at all, and we have the exclusive rights. So we're not, you know, worried. We have a great relationship with the patent holder. You know, he wants to work with us. We want to work with him, and you know, we don't see it as a problem whatsoever. Well, yeah, I mean, with Shark Tank too. Going back to what Peter was saying, we always knew that having a machine, especially that you're selling for sixteen, seventeen, twenty thousand dollars. It's different than everything else that goes on there. And I think having these numbers and seeing how cash intensive our business is, that definitely was a hurdle for all of them. And whether they're billionaires or not, like they, they maybe aren't interested in that type of business. So we always kind of knew where our weak spots could lie. And yeah. I hope that people do. Everyone should know where their weak spots are, especially going on to Shark Tank. Oh, absolutely. And, I, and maybe to the point of, you know, 250000 isn't enough money, which later down the road, we, you know, we see mm. that uh, it, it wasn't enough for Lori and Daniel to, to offer um, <clears throat> for 6% at 250000 I mean, that was a very rich ask uh, on both of their parts. And without, like, even giving double the money, <laughs> even doubling right. up the money exactly. at, the, at, the, at the lowest, I mean... Yeah. Uh, what is that? Uh, five times uh, the amount that you you know percentage that you were looking to give up, or seven times uh, yeah, six times five, seventy-five. Yeah, six times five is seventy-five. Yeah. So math. Uh, or no, it was it thirty? It was thir- thirty-five. That's thirty. But no, no, I know the answer is thirty-five. But so it's like it's a, yeah, it's basically a little over six. six yeah, yeah. Six, six and a half. But, when, but we five. were well, we were actually in the negotiations, and you're and you're seven you're, times five is thirty-five. My yeah, 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 yeah. So seven, so, okay. so not, but but six. Oh, it was six, not times five. Sorry. Um, six <laughs> math. Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm going to get you both calculators. <laughs> <laughs> yes. over there. Yeah, yeah, that's summing it up. You got both calculators. But it, it, you know, when you're actually in the negotiations on Shark Tank, we both felt that it's very different than a real negotiation with a calculator. We, the numbers is, is mean a lot more. You know, we were saying, you know, that, you know, what the Sharks were offering, you know, we factored that in. And there were so many things, that, some of which were all probably on the episode, some of which weren't. But when Daniel was saying, I'm going to be putting, you know, millions of dollars into my team is going to be doing all these things. It's not just, you know, the percentages, you know. You know I think a lot of entrepreneurs would probably have done it probably for 50 or 60 percent, you know, um, because of what the Sharks can offer you. So... Um, you know, we both felt that, they, you know, if they could come through with all the things that they were offering us, you know, as Stu said, you know, better to be, you know, have a piece of the watermelon than just a tiny little grape. And that is as, uh, <laughs> as, as the saying goes. Uh, but, you know, countering back it, uh, and asking for a $500,000 line of credit, I think, you know, made, made a lot of sense, um, if not still not enough because if you know you were saying that it, uh, what 20 machines for 250,000 yeah. more it's, uh, it's more so but, it's, well, <laughs> oh, it's one, 20, 20 machines or I mean 20, 20 usually costs us between 350 and 400 oh yeah okay okay yeah. so so like 15 machines oh yeah no, 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 that's, so that's still not <laughs> no uh, you know line of credit that's one <laughs> right. one run uh, no exactly 100% we were you know at that point negotiating with whatever we could I mean the fact that they weren't negotiating, you know, in our wildest dreams. We didn't see that happening. And then we didn't see them saying, this is firm. We're not, you know, Daniel says, like, I wouldn't even do this for 34. I mean, that was kind of a little bit of a gut punch. Um, 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot of it was not fun. So, like, you know, but we were motivated to leave with a deal. You know, the way it always talked about it is we did want to leave there with the deal. We saw the value yeah. in going on Shark Tank and then leaving with the deal rather than even saying no or, or not having a deal. Like, afterwards, now, the last five weeks, everyone was like, oh, I didn't see your episode. Did you get a deal? Like, we had to go and say no. They'd be like, oh, what happened? Like, now, like, yeah, of course we did. You know, not a lot of people really talked about watch. the terms and whatnot. Yeah. So we saw the value in that, um, and we wanted to negotiate as much as possible um, and get as much as possible. And the fact that they weren't negotiating was a surprise. Also, that, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you, you can kind of read the room. You know, I think it would have been different if... If Damon or you know Walker, if any, if it's wonderful, whoever it was, if there was a you know bidding war going on, I think that number would have changed drastically. But since the two of them paired up early, early on in the episode, and it showed on TV that Daniel got up and talked to Lori as a whispers, yeah, very late. It actually happened very, very early. So we knew the two of them. Lori was running the room in real life. She was. She was running the show, and we knew the two of them were already been whispering. Mm-hmm. So every and everyone, everyone saw it. Now I, I gotta ask: is your is your plan is to buy out the IP at some point? At some point, if it's if if the it all look it all comes down to the numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're buying enough machines where it makes sense to do that. And that will, you know, be probably where we'd want to go. Um, that being said, though, uh, right now we have a wonderful relationship with the producer um, and patent holder. There's really uh, no need to change things right now. He's doing his job. We're doing our job, plowing along. But if we start to see it makes more sense to do that. Well, and the reason I ask is it wasn't even that much money. I think it was a $4 million. Four million. Yeah, I mean, it, you guys have already invested one point two. Not the $4 million is not a lot of money. And right. I always, always say that here on the show. Like, it's not that, that whatever nice I'm saying. It's numbers like that. Really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's still, it is a lot of money. But you've already, you're already $1.2 million into it. Um, you, you're bringing in, you know, sharks. Uh, it, it seems like, man, they got such a great deal of 250000 I mean, really they did get a sweet deal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I just want to yeah. elaborate on that also, that we had a much longer conversation about mm-hmm. the uh, purchasing the IP, and really what we have is a first right of refusal, so that if someone else, for some reason, tried to buy the IP, we have that agreement where we could oh, buy right. it for $4 million or, or less that's, even that's and awesome. match there. So that's, uh, that also didn't fully get elaborated, yeah, um, but it's deal. not, yeah, there's a lot of details and agreements based on this, and, uh, you know, we wanted to protect ourselves, and we understand the patent holder has a great product, and they should be able to make money. If this thing is worth hundreds of millions of dollars, they should 100% be able, you know, there's, there's a value in that patent, and what they've put into this, and they should be rewarded just as much, and, you know, putting a number on that, you know, we took some time to do that. But yeah, so there's a lot more to that. Mm. So, okay, so you guys get a deal, you leave. When you get back uh, to Philly, what what's some of the first things you did to prepare for the potential that you know you might get to there? <laughs> well, first thing we did is try to just relax ourselves. <laughs> we were we were just in so much shock. I think after that, we were you know there's so many emotions you know flowing through that you know the the two of us. 
really walked out and were like, oh my God, what just happened? And so we were so excited for the deal. And we kind of, you know, took a little time, relaxed. We actually went to Phoenix for a show, like, a few weeks later, which was kind of nice. Treated it as a mini vacation, so we had things planned after, which was nice. And then we were just ready to jump into the due diligence, get the deal done. Um, But we knew the deal, you know, until that check actually clears our bank, we need to keep the business running. And so Stu and I are all about operations, day-to-day running. I think a lot of people get jaded by... You know what happens? So many people we meet on the street are like, "Oh, so you guys are millionaires?" You know, so we're like, "Doesn't really work." Like <laughs> you know, after we shot, you know, our bank accounts were the exact same that it was when, when we filmed that show. So, um, so I think a lot of people, you know, forget that there's, you know, this is a real business show, especially for us. We weren't banking on the day that we aired, seeing this bump. We had to keep on going with our business and growing it. And you, like I said earlier, like you're never really guaranteed anything. So we weren't really guaranteed to air either. Yeah. So who really knows? You know, we, the way we saw it, you know, we thought we made some great TV. They're going to want to put us on TV, you know, air and uh, so get the ratings up. And weeks turned into months, turned into many, 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 many months. And you know, it, it almost became. Uh, like this, this was uh, never going to happen. Yeah. I mean, you only find out like three weeks ahead of time. Um, so yeah. I, so I mean, in your case, because things don't happen super quick. It's not like you know, oh, you aired, and all of a sudden, like you're just you just ship and ship and ship and ship and ship. Exactly. Um, so it's it's a little bit different than than some of the, you know, those businesses that have a product that they can ship. Right. Um, and so do you feel like your uh, like, do you feel like you've been able to actually, like, really take advantage of being on Shark Tank? Like, to this no. point, I know it's only been a couple of weeks, and you're on episode yeah. 18, 20 just aired, 21 just aired, so, like, three, four yeah. weeks ago. Um, you know, it's, uh, do you feel like it's almost like you weren't able to capitalize as much as, like... Absolutely. I mean, it's Maybe your mind wanted to believe, you know, like... Oh, yeah. You know. I mean, it was a big secret. We, we went to a bunch of internal showcases and stuff at these big companies and we couldn't really mention it. You know, we were in the promo in early September or something. So there was a little picture we could kind of feed to people, but it's you can't really talk about it. So, you know, and it almost became, you know, as we did say on the show, we um, had 20 machines. We had 40 at that time. We had 20 that had just been delivered. So, you know, we were doing installs, getting those machines out. And that's all the things that we just kept on trucking along until we got the call that we were going to air. But we had been working with our sharks, and that kind of got dragged out for so long. Um, so all of these things just felt like they were taking forever. So we, you know, it almost felt like it was never going to happen. We weren't able to capitalize, and then you know, you get that three week mark, and then the fun begins. <laughs> um, have you guys been able to close your deal yet, or are you still in due diligence? Still working. Yeah, still working. Okay. Yeah. Um, and f- did you guys have a, a, a launch party or a watch party or anything like that? How did we that did. Yeah, it was great. It was a, we uh, we have machines at the YMCA's. Uh, a few YMCA's across the country. Our local YMCA allowed us to use their space. We had uh, an amazing party there. It was so unfortunately, unfortunately spring breaks. So a lot of our friends were like, "Oh, you chose the one week." I'm like, "We didn't choose that. <laughs> they chose our air date." So uh, we had a great party, and then that night 
Um, you know, right after showing to midnight, we had like seventy thousand hits on our website. Thank you. Oh yeah. yeah. And um, you know, the, the inquiries just started pouring in. We did not the night when it aired Friday night. We did not look at anything for Saturday and Sunday. We just let it all go into uh, our CM our CRM software. And then Monday morning, we just took off and running. And, uh, you know, we're always surprised that when people get so much publicity, they don't take advantage of it. And we've, to date now, uh, gotten back to every single person that's inquired. Um, personally, if somebody wants a call and they ask for a call, one of us will talk to anybody that calls us. Uh, my wife is, is working, you know, 24 hours a day, getting back to people. And if somebody wants, you know, any information, you know... We'll you, gotta fil- you gotta filter through everything, because obviously people just inquire for whatever. So it's all about filtering. But, but yeah, any questions people have, we've set up non-stop calls. Uh, that, yeah. that, is, that is also... I, I like the, the key point that you said there was you made sure to give yourself the, the relaxing time. Both after... Shark Tank, yeah. uh, air, you know, or filming and then airing, because um, I, I, I feel like sometimes we don't give. Uh, over. I, I feel like we don't give ourselves enough um, space to be able to uh, relax so that we can better process the things that are going on around us, and I and I think I commend you guys on on doing that and like you know what because because the other thing is you didn't have a product to ship right then and there so it's not like oh man i go you know yeah. uh you know the pizza pack i gotta back up all the pizza packs and literally yeah. like ship them and then nope. oh i'm out of pizza packs to ship yeah. all right i'm gonna talk to joe Parr. this guy showed joe Parr, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then be you know my new next order will be here in a day and a half so yeah. i'll rest a little bit and then the yeah, next no, here no. shipping more you know no. um so it's it is it is different uh in that regard which um so you know being i think is that is that was that part of the pro the, the thinking logic process of, of going with something that was a robotic type of thing like a vending type of machine uh, for business rather than something that was maybe more hands on like having your own yogurt stand or yogurt uh, or, we just or, take or opportunities we just felt you know one thing has led to another and we've taken opportunities you know we haven't really been inventors where it's like here's this need let's build something to that. It was, we have this great, you know, the, the, the bones are there in this thing and we can take it to the next level and, and get a mass market and be the first movers and be all that. So, you know, as far as I say, you know, we haven't necessarily invented anything yet. We're working on, you know, now some new products and stuff, um, but gotten us to this point. It's always been, you know, you always meet people. It's all about relationships and getting out there and kind of having an opportunity that comes about and, you know, trusting in yourself to, to jump on a good opportunity and, and something you can stand behind. I mean, Stu and I think um, we're good listeners in that way that in the business world. If somebody tells us something, um, we'll, we'll think about it. And, and, you know, Mark Cuban had brought up about minimums, you know, oh, we should never be going into a location without a minimum. Um, you know, what in our talks with our, you know, Lori and, and Daniel, they were very strong about minimums. And to use that as an example, you know, Stu and I do take to heart what people say. and We take all the best information and try to make good with that. Um, we actually follow through on things. I feel like so many people say, oh, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. They have 20 meetings during the day, but then they don't actually do anything. They have meeting, 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 but there's no action. 
And, yeah. you know, Stu and I are all about we make a plan, and then the next day is action. And so whether, you know, tomorrow we'll be in our warehouse checking all the machines that are going out the next few weeks ourselves, and making sure that everything is going to go right, um, and we're, we plan to always be like that and take action. Um, the other part is I think that we are want to be on the cutting edge of everything. Uh, we've had people solicit us after Shark Tank, as we expected, uh, with putting THC in our drinks, putting in CBD, putting in alcohol, um, you know, every variation of what you could think of a smoothie, what you could do with it. Um, and we want to take everything into consideration. Um, you know, right now we see ourselves as a family-friendly product. Um, we don't see doing that right now. Um, but if there's something, like we could take the machine and do something else, and it's going to be on the cutting edge, we see that that is the future, we're going to take that chance and do it. Um, you know, the machine itself, we believe, is the future because of, you know, all the things we discussed today, um, but if there's other things that come up, we want to take those chances, uh, be on the cutting edge. Well, speaking of, well, okay, so the THC thing, I, I definitely agree. A good friend of mine uh, from around here just posted a picture of a THC machine in the mall, in a mall, I'm not going to say which mall, yeah. uh, around here, and it was like, this doesn't seem like a good look for any of the businesses that are right there right. in the food court. Yeah. <laughs> like, it just doesn't, it's not there yet. It doesn't yeah. give it's the not, right yeah. impression. It's like having a cigarette machine there, basically, you know. Um, effectively, which hey, that one the way they do it. Like, I mean, I know what they are, but most people, you know, most right. younger than yeah. me probably wouldn't, right. or much younger than me wouldn't. So, um, so speaking of the future, what what does the future of Blenny look like to you guys? Also, exactly. I mean, we you know we see Blenny blends as not just maybe a kiosk company. Maybe it is, but maybe Blenny blends you know takes. We we were at a showcase and this person said, you know, is there a vending company that is only in vending? And like the first thing that comes to mind is Coke. We're like, no, Coke isn't a vending company. They they're they have a million different products and they have them bottled and they have them fountain and they have them in kiosks and it's all over. So, you know, what what are we necessarily? Like we have these delicious blends and part of being on the cutting edge of um, you know, having shelf stable you know, not needing refrigeration and freezer, that whole supply chain that, you know, isn't, is a very new thing in the U.S., but, you know, it was pretty prevalent all around the world. Um, and, you know, having our suppliers and working on R&D, you know, knowing that the, the future is looking to shelf stable, a lot of these big companies are trying to make products exactly of what we are right now. We're way ahead of everyone. Um, so, you know, what do we do with that? So, a lot of our value are, is in our blend. So, you know, we're looking at other products that, that use that kind of competitive advantage. Um, and as far as Kiosk, our corporate name is called Unattended Solutions. We, we see ourselves, you know, creating new consumer experiences, you know, being innovative on the cutting edge, taking those risks. Um, so, that's something we're always looking at. So, yeah. That's awesome. Who knows? <laughs> one of my friend, one of my son's friends, uh, watches every video of yours over and over and over. We were in that. He loves he loves, it. loves, it. loves Hammertown. Ding 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 ding. <laughs> so shout out Tate and all Tate, Har right. all of Harrison Shapiro's friends, the Lower Marion. So it's just so where he's like, we gotta make sure we shout out Tate. Dead Jug, you gotta give a shout out to Tate. I appreciate you watching, especially all the way to the end here. Yeah. <laughs> 
I know this is a, a long interview, and uh, I appreciate you, you watching all the videos and being a part of the super community and letting other people know about it. Speaking of which, how did you guys find out about my video? Or, or did you already know about it, or did, like how, or my so, channel? Yeah, or? so I, we had heard of your channel, but then it was one of our employees that came to us the, right after Shark Tank, and we, you know, the minute you, I, I must have, the minute you <laughs> uploaded your video, she immediately said, Joe, Joe, upload an email. And I <laughs> this is great. I hadn't seen it. <laughs> so, so, the so then when I, was, I said, still, we got a video to watch. <laughs> and, uh, and well, I don't know if I want to watch it. <laughs> and immediately when we watched and you said, come have steaks, we were like, we got to have steaks with Joe. This yeah. is what we're going to do. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it, it's always interesting when I hear about, about those types of things where people are like, oh, they, they you know, sent, oh, I got a bunch of text messages. You got to check out this video. So to all the Shark Tank uh, entrepreneurs out there that, you know, haven't, haven't reached out yet to come on the show, like, I, I'm pretty confident you probably have seen the video or know of the video. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's always interesting to me to see who reaches out, who doesn't reach out, and and all that, and I and I love and appreciate you guys coming over here. I'm glad we got the hatchies. Thank you for bringing it well, over. Oh, no, it was good. Um, I was, cool. I was looking. Right, I went to. I was very much looking forward to. Yeah. It's been a while. Thank you. I'm glad you a mentioned really that. good cheesesteak. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, so you know, I, I, you know, I love the fact that I get to have these conversations and get to make these you know friendships and relationships, and then bring. Uh, more information to the super community and, and to me like that's you know it's all about learning right I always say in like every video it's like I'm learning you're learning like we're learning together it's not just about me teaching because I don't know every, like, I don't know anything about the you know I know very little about the bending industry let alone yeah. the robotic bending you know sure, and, yeah. and it was a kind of candy machine that was like blew me away <laughs> like, and it was cool yeah, there's cool stuff out there yep. yeah there is some really neat yep. stuff out there so yep. Um, so I, you know, I, I really appreciate you guys taking the time no today. And I appreciate you guys watching all the way to this point. Us too. Before we wrap up and go into any final thoughts you guys have, uh, what was your dreams growing up as kids? Um, <laughs> I was very, I was very open. Like I, I always liked to sell stuff. I mean, I remember as as a kid, I I always wanted to be number one in selling newspapers and magazines in the elementary school and stuff. Um, I really, I'm very, I love traveling. I love doing different things. I really didn't have this true, and I still feel like, it, you know, and it must be that I was always an entrepreneur because I'm open to anything really. Um, you know, my wife says I have a midlife crisis every five, ten years. Uh, but, you know, I always just like whatever, you know, new things. Once, you know, it's not that I get bored of it, but once I see a new opportunity present itself, you know, I'm all over it. So, um, you know, with my occupation, I never grew up thinking that there was going to be one specific thing. I was just open to doing lots and lots of things. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think both of us were never desk job type of people. Um, you know, I, so like Peter, I traveled a lot and, you know, there was a point where I was going to move down to Rio and, you know, open up a hostel and all, like, and the same kind of thing. Yeah, like, you, you have these opportunities that come about and you work through it and, some work out and some don't, and as you get older, the you know your priorities change and things are either more real or not. You know you have these pipe dreams um, that are really cool, but um, I don't know. I mean, our grandfather was a successful entrepreneur himself, so we always I think you know saw that um, and and that with hard work and sacrifice and you can really build something. Um, so you know we had that 
you know, kind of goal that you could kind of see, um, and that always kind of helped. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, not specifically. I was never the type that was going to be a doctor or a dad's a lawyer, and I never wanted to be a lawyer. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Well, so. So, uh, well, thanks again for coming yeah. out, guys. Is there any, any last thoughts you'd like to share before you uh, wrap up? No, it's a pleasure coming out today. Yeah. Um, you know, Stu and I, we always say when it, whenever we do a new installation, um, you know, and for anybody that actually, you know, opens up a blenny, Stu and I come out, we like to meet everybody. We try to do a local dish at each spot. Um, and try to meet the people and you know we've loved I think the number one thing about this journey is you know meeting so many different people in so many different areas um, and so today we can add that to our list it was really just a wonderful experience and um, you know we, we just can't wait to see what the future holds yeah I mean the Shark Tank was absolutely unbelievable once in a lifetime and for other people that don't take this opportunity and you know tell this 15 minutes of fame that you not that we're famous by any means but you you know you have to use this right now we have this opportunity and this window only lasts so long um, so like this is the, the good thing right now is we're trying to introduce Blenny and, and meet great people like you and who knows where that all goes um, so I recommend you know taking these opportunities and being able to really you know roll with the punches and uh, you know this has been amazing talking to you and the whole super community and we'll be watching Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I mean, getting to talk to people has been the, the best part of my journey. Uh, when we were talking before about how, uh, you know, I had my podcast back in 2014. It's like I, I wasn't making a whole ton of money be, or from the show, but because of the show. But because of the show, I, you know, got paid more or from the show, I got paid in people and in network and in stories and in um, validation in the the things and thoughts that I you know had thought and, and understood to be true for a long time. Getting to validate that with people from literally all over the world. Um, so you know, I, I think that's to me um, meeting people is better than going to get to see things. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. in a lot of ways, like absolutely. Um, so like, I've traveled a little bit uh, in, in different parts of the world, and it's like you know, to me, it's really about the, what people that I get, what conversations that I get to have. More so than like, cool, I got to see this thing, uh, you know, Absolutely. wherever I am. Yeah. So, because uh, I can take a picture of that, I can also just Google it <laughs> and yep. see the picture. Like, oh, cool, there it is. Absolutely. Like, you know, that's neat. Um, not as neat as the, the the relationships that come with it. So, thank you guys well, again no for coming. Problem. Thank you for the shirt. I, no. You guys didn't notice that they they brought me my own Blenny Blend shirt uh, here. So I, I appreciate it, guys. And your amazing Blenny pen. And the Blenny pen writes very well. Everybody <laughs> says they're always surprised. The Blenny pens write so well. <laughs> if all else fails, we'll, we'll sell some pens. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it looks great. It looks thank great. You. So, um, yeah. So, thank you for sticking around to the end here. Appreciate you watching and uh, being a part of the super community. If you haven't watched uh, Peter and Super Peter and Super Stewart's video, uh, I'll try to put it like up here. If not, uh, I'll see you in the video down below. Take care and go be super.